Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Knowledge. I'm Jennifer. And if you've joined me for the last couple of episodes of this series, this go-round, um, you know they've been pretty serious and I, I hate to to uh, bum you out, but this is um, another one of those. Actually, the first two kind of to set up really how things have ended up here. And this now begins the story of what has happened in the last couple of years of my life. What took me away from doing some of these podcasts for a little while and what I, you know, I've been, I've gone through some information I will share with you down the road too. But really this episode is the first one where I talk about the very current things that we're dealing with are the most fresh of the life lessons that I've probably learned. It's been two years now. So right at the end of my last series uh, of episodes for, for the Uncommon Knowledge, February of 2021. Yeah, so it was because it was March of 2021. So I'd wrapped up and I was going to take a few months off and you know, kind of regroup. I'd had some ideas about what I wanted to do for next episodes and other podcasts. And I was going to regroup and come back and share with you. And then February, no, March, March of 2021, my son is gone on vacation for a week with his dad and stepmom. And they are traveling around Texas, going to some of the famous cities within the whole country. So I live in Dallas, and that is a good bit away. Like, you know, that's a good good distance. It's not the worst thing in the world, but when it's your child and something happens, any amount of distance is too far. It's too great. So it's, it's just to set the scene for you. It would probably have been about a four and a half hour drive if I was hauling it and there wasn't traffic and it was in the middle of the night kind of thing. Four and a half hours would have would have gotten me uh, to him. Okay, so I am four and a half hours away from the most important thing in my life, from the greatest thing I've ever done. And I have completely entrusted two other humans with that thing and they're off in their adventures. And so... When it's after 11 o'clock and the phone rings, and now I preface this by telling you, literally my phone hardly ever rings after 9 o'clock at night, and specifically because I turn it off for anybody but him. So in my life, if the phone rings anytime after 10 p.m., it's my son and something is up, okay? So there's this night, and it's a little after 11, and I answer the call already a little not worried, but just kind of a little keyed up because he hardly ever calls. Um, and, and maybe, you know, we, we sometimes we, we text, you know, we, well, we always text good night and love yous and that kind of stuff every night when he's gone. But um, sometimes he'd want to do a video call, but we'd talk about that ahead of time. So it was very, just again, uh, when he called, it was very unusual. So when I answer the phone, I tried to sound as calm as I possibly could. And he, on the other end, all I hear is the sound of sobbing. I hear my kid absolutely sobbing. He can't even make out words. Like he can't, he can't even tell me what's wrong. That's how hard he's crying. So I 
of course, immediately go to all of the worst things in my mind, right? I'm, I'm literally playing out every scenario that could possibly have happened. When I finally get him to calm down, I can hear a little bit better and I can hear this kind of echoing sound that his voice is echoing and I get him to calm down and I'm like starting to ask things like, where are you? Are you okay? What's going on? And he, he gets down and he calms down enough that he tells me he's sitting in the stairwell at the hotel they're staying at. So I'm immediately looking at my phone and pulling up my stalker app <laughs> and finding out where he is. And yeah, it's where it shows him is in this little hotel in the middle of not Fredericksburg, but one of the other ones. Anyway, um, he tells me the story about what happened. And I'm going to tell you, it is the second worst phone call I think I could have ever gotten. Um, he could because he is at least alive, not you're not fatally, mortally, or any kind of seriously injured. Like he's not bleeding out somewhere. These aren't our last moments. But he tells me the story about how he has been traveling for several days now with his father and stepmother. And the two of them, the father and stepmother, fight and quarrel and bicker. But more than just bicker, like they fight. They fight and it gets physical. And they're putting, you know, they, they put hands on each other in front of him. And, and sadly, this is not the first time that this has happened. The first time that I found out about them being physical with each other um, was when my kid called me and, and told me uh, that, that, that that had happened. And when I picked him up two days later, the three of us, me, his dad, and him had a talk because I wanted him to see. Um, I think I talked about this in one of the episodes I did before, but about being brave. Um, I might not have gone into as much detail as I am about to now, but <laughs> he had a talk with his dad about how seeing that behavior made him feel physically unsafe, made him feel emotionally and mentally unsafe. And that was just in October, and this is now March. This phone call is happening. So just a few months have gone by, less than six months. Because it was the end of October, it was Halloween. I am now having to to feel this phone call and, and um, a very stressed out kid who has told me that they were arguing. They'd been kind of at each other all day. They'd gotten into a fight. And my my ex had gone off to cool down, as he often would, just to escape and, and get away from the situation. Um, and my son is stuck with his stepmother and they go up to the hotel room that they're staying in. And as they're walking into the room, my son says that he needs to go to the bathroom. So he's going to go in to do that. She's already being kind of short with him. And she says something to the effect of like asking where his father is. And he says, I think he just needed to take a break. So my son turns to her and says, I think he just needs to take, needed to take a break. Now, stepmom is hard of hearing, has a cochlear implant, uh, has already, you know, has some challenges in, in hearing what people say and already has to ask for things to be repeated. But um, I'm guessing that in her heightened emotional state, uh, she didn't stop to think that she had misheard him. No, <laughs> I was in no way giving her an excuse for what she did next because she looks at my son and um, tries to spank him. <laughs> He's 12 and about the size of the average, I don't know, 
um, <laughs> the grown woman. I mean, I think at 12, he was my height. So he's, you know, he's 12 and like, well, five foot five, at least I'm five, four. So I think he was, I think it's, he'd hit being as tall as me at that point. But anyway, um, inappropriate. She, she tried to spank him and that in itself was, is, is an issue. Um, but, uh, he sidestepped out of the way and tried to go into the bathroom and she followed him in there, forced her way in and shoved him full on both hands, shoved a 12 year old. I don't, you know, I don't even care how old he is. He uh, weighs probably at that point, less than half of what she weighs. She's also a fucking adult and she shoved him not once but twice she shoved him in the chest full out shoved him in this tiny hotel bathroom now she right there is lucky that he didn't fall and have some other sustained injury from this but she shoved him nonetheless so I already, at this point, as I'm listening to my son tell me this, I am literally picturing all of the ways that I want to protect my kid. I am I'm literally fighting with myself internally with the rage that is building in me towards this individual. Because let me explain something. I would die for my kid. I would also, without hesitation, defend my kid. Like, if it came down to my kid or somebody else's life, without hesitation, my kid's living. Without hesitation, I would give up my own life for him. So imagine the rage that I am feeling at this point because, one, I would die for that human. Two, an adult that has been entrusted with his safety is being abusive to him. Three, I am four and a half hours away. And four, this is a known circumstance on a couple of levels because not five months before I had a conversation with his father about how his father and his stepmother's physically abusive relationship was a problem that they needed to fix because it was going to start bleeding over into other things. And here it is happening. I fucking hate being right sometimes. So in this moment, everything that I am is incensed. Like I, <laughs> I am not a bad person and I don't have road rage and I don't think about, you know, I don't know, bad things happening to other people. I just don't. In that moment, yeah, all of those things are out the window because I'm going to tell you there's every... There's not a single part of me that wasn't angered to the point of contemplating all kinds of, all kinds of things. Hmm. <laughs> I'm getting worked up thinking about it now. So my son is telling me the story. So she shoves him. He forces her out of the bathroom. He finishes what he's doing. He comes out of the bathroom and he goes to leave because I don't believe I, you know that I'd want to stay either. So he goes to leave the room she's following him out you know upset his dad is coming now from the other direction out in the hallway she's trying to plead her case telling 
his dad that he that that her anger in this situation is justified because he said that because my son said that his father was leaving her <laughs> now again hard of hearing angry already my son said i think he needed to take a break so she is already trying to justify her behaviors now also trying to justify her behaviors against a 12 year old kid a fucking adult is trying to justify her anger behaviors, the anger that she misplaced and took out physically on my kid. My ex allows my son to go off and leave. Now, my son is a smart enough kid. He's not going to go anywhere. He literally just put some space. He went to the stairwell and he called his mother. That's what he did. Does my ex call me and tell me what happened? No. I get the phone call from our kid. I get my son calmed down enough we're talking about it, and I am telling him that he's not wrong for being upset, that he's not wrong for being afraid. I am letting him know that that was a completely inappropriate behavior on her part. I'm letting him know that he didn't do anything wrong, that he didn't do anything to deserve that, and that he has every right to not be in that situation, that he has every right to the expectation of safety already calculating in my head it's 11 now 30 by this point so I'm telling you four and a half hours I was like well I can be there by four in the morning so I have a conversation with my son and I say okay I am fully prepared to do whatever it takes for you you say the word and I will be in the car and I will be driving my concern is you are four and a half hours away from me I will call your aunt who is about an hour and a half from you and I will have her come get you because she will. It's 11.30 at night. I'll call and wake her ass up. She won't even mind. So you tell me what it is and we'll do it. I said, because she can get you. And by the time she gets down there and back, I can be at her house. And I said, and I'll do it without a question. Now I want to tell you that everything inside me wanted to so bad. But because he's 12, I have to give him the option because... At this point, he's not completely in physical imminent danger, but he loves his dad. And I have to give my son the opportunity. I have to give my, my ex-husband <laughs> one opportunity to make it right with his kid. I have to give him the opportunity to be a good fucking person. And for the first time in his life, choose his son over something, over his anger, or anything else, because he doesn't pick him. I I have to give them the opportunity. I also legally have to give him the opportunity. What sucks, people, about being divorced? I'll tell you, with children involved with minors, is that you. Ha you have to allow certain things to happen before you can do anything about them. So I outline the options. I say, here's what we can do. Inside, I'm trying to still sound as calm and rational as I can. And I want to let him know how very afraid I am. Or how very, very angry I am. But he has calmed down at this point, And he says that he wants... And I love him so much for this. He says he wants to give his dad the opportunity to, to talk with him about it 
because he hasn't had the opportunity to talk with him yet. And he hasn't had the opportunity to tell him what happened from his side of things. So while he's calming down and taking a minute, I text his dad and say, hey, our son has called me from the stairwell. He's very upset. He wants to come talk with you. But he is safe right now, in case you were worried and looking for him. Now, my ex-husband, the asshole that he is, texts me back, thanks. I'll stop looking for him now. Now, I happen to know he hasn't fucking been looking for him, but whatever. <laughs> I choose not to <laughs> join that argument. I choose not to die on that hill. So I'm telling my son, okay, let's make a plan. Let's talk through how you're going to talk about this with your father. And, you know, we go through all this and I say, okay, do you think you feel safe enough to go in there to do this? Are you comfortable? What's the deal? He said, you know, we, we get through it and we lay out the plan for the conversation and maybe what's the best time to do it. Maybe it's not right away. Don't walk into a room, both guns blazing, right? But uh, we make a plan for having that conversation. And, you know, and I, I talk him through, coach him through how to ask for the alone time that he's going to need and to the right time emotionally and mental headspace to do it, right? Um, you know, don't do it if daddy's been drinking. <laughs> don't do it if daddy's angry. Um, you know, kind of how do you properly set this, you know, time frame? And um, and I then I asked the important question of, do you feel safe? Will you feel safe being in a room with, with both of them? And he says, you know, I think so, as long as, you know, he's there. And if not, um, if not, I'll, I'll leave and I'll go downstairs. And so then we discuss how to do that, that if he needs to leave, he doesn't feel safe with the two of them, that I want him to go downstairs to the person at the front desk and explain that he's going to be sitting down in the lobby and just make him his presence known to this person. Because a lot of times in the middle of the night at the hotel, the person that's manning the desk is back in the office, not standing at the front desk waiting for somebody to just walk in. So and I didn't want him to be seen as loitering or trouble causing because he's, you know, this 12-year-old kid, right? So we got our plan in place. And I get all of my assurances from him for, for you know, from my son. And I tell him a million times how proud I am of him, how much I love him. And I tell him a million times not to worry that everything's going to be fine. And that I want him to call me or text me, you know. Uh, as many times as he needs to or to call me if he if he changes his mind and something needs to change and I need to call his aunt and get her to start driving. We hang up and I don't hear from him for a little while and after a certain amount of time I, I start to think that you know you go past that window of all right well maybe he's just gone to sleep and everything's okay and it's gonna be fine. And that's what happens I get I get a text message you know of, you know, probably 30 minutes later that says, I love you, mom. And I, I write him back my, my little, my little emojis, my love you too, love bug. But, um, I tell him, I said, call me in the morning or t text me in the morning. Let me know everything's okay. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't sleep that night. Um, <laughs> I didn't sleep for a long time after that. Um, awake, trying to decide <laughs> who I was going to, you know, figuratively kill. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to tell you all that I'm, I would never actually murder somebody unless it was, you know, again, 
in them or because they were going to kill me or my kid. Defending myself without question or my defending my kid or loved one, absolutely. But awake all night, wrestling with, did I do the right thing? Is he safe? Not feeling like I can trust uh, these two adults who are supposed to be adults and care about him and not just any adults, but people who love him and wrestling with all of the things that are out of my control and uh, researching and just waiting for it to be 8 a.m. so I can start calling people and, and getting things together to figure out what I can do, what I have to do, what I can't do, <laughs> booking therapists. <laughs> Because, you know, I'd kind of been, I'd kind of been okay and not seeing mine, you know, every, every month. And <laughs> I was like, well, shit, that's gone out the window. I'm going to call and see if I can get on our calendar for like at least a couple of times a week. And that's not a joke. During this time period, I was probably talking to my therapist twice a week. But I had to get my son a therapist. And the thing is, the next day when I hear from my kid, I've gotten all these ducks in a row and, and. I feel it's very important that um, I share with the world what all is possible, what all you need to do, and the things that nobody ever told me, and the things that um, have been very helpful since to know. Um, and then I'll we'll do that in the next episode. But um, the next day, um, they went home. They were it was going to be the, like they're going home. It was going to be the end of the the trip and the end of the time. And I worried a little bit less um, because I knew I was going to see him. And it was like, okay, you know, I, I feel confident. How terrible is this? I feel co more confident in my 12-year-old's ability to do what is right and what he needs to do for himself. I feel more confident in his ability to do that than I do in the ability of the grown-ass man and woman who are supposed to be the adults and in charge. I get I get him, right? So it's finally, I mean, I, God, I, I'm telling you, that's like the longest, like 36 hours-ish of my life is the time from that phone call to when I finally get him. And when we're driving back from the exchange location back up to Dallas to our home, I ask him about the details. Hey, did you, did you talk with him? Did you get a chance to talk with your dad? He breaks my heart again, not because he was again in danger, of something because I just watched it, him have his heart broken because he tells me the story that he goes into the hotel room and he says he wants to talk and doesn't want to do it right then, but that he wants to talk about it. And his dad tells him he doesn't want to hear it. His dad tells him he doesn't care. He doesn't want to hear it. He just wants it to go away. He just wants to pretend like it didn't happen. That fucking moron said to his kid, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I want to pretend like it didn't happen. Now, I wish to you that I could say that that last phrase was as shocking as the first couple. The first couple really were astounding to me. But this is a man that always wanted things to just go away. He just wanted to pretend because that's his M.O. He's emotionally abusive. He'd go through his little cycle and then rather than go get help, he would just want it to go away. He just wanted to be swept under the rug. So this person, this person that I gave a decade of my life to, 
that I married because I didn't think I deserved any better, that I would find any better. This is asshole. <laughs> that I just, just, that I didn't think I could do any better than. <laughs> because of, you know, being raised to believe that I was broken. And that I somehow deserved that. Or that I was unworthy of love. Tells the most precious thing in my life. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about hearing how somebody physically accosted him. He doesn't care about my son. Our son. And you know, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. Right? Because of the way he treated him when he was a baby. He was an inconvenience then. He didn't care if he was hurt. He didn't care about whatever that little seven-month-old was going through. So why the fuck should he care where it, what a 12-year-old is going through it if it's disruptive to his life? Because that's what this is about. It's what it's always about. Like someone's going to tell him something that was, in his mind, an inconvenient truth. He was going to tell him something that he didn't want to hear because if he had to hear it, he had to potentially face it and if he had to face it then he had to come to terms with his own fucking behavior his own inability to control himself his own inability to stand up for himself and in, in, in cycles both in his own life and in his relationship with this other person he was going to have to hear the fact that he had failed to defend his kid that he had put his son in danger all because he's a selfish asshole <laughs> who wants to be an angry person and wants to have relationships with angry people. <sighs> I don't know why I should be surprised. Why, right? I shouldn't have been surprised by that. I was disappointed, though. And I was hurt because I watched the hurt in my son's face when he told me. Because we'd prepared. I would, you know. We talked about it, and God, did I want that so bad for him. I wanted him to walk back into that room in that situation and for my ex-husband to not be a douche canoe and for the first time in his fucking life do something about it, do the right thing for him, for that kid, that kid I would die for. So I had to tell my son that, how very, very sorry I was. That's what he was dealing with, and I had to coach him through this, and I had to have conversations with him about, well, what do you want to do? What does this mean? Mommy's here. Mommy will support you 110%, whatever it is. And we had to make a plan. And I had to sit and listen and hear how my son had to tell me that he didn't want to see his dad anymore. They didn't want to be around that anymore. They didn't want to be. And you know what? I don't blame him. Not a single part of me that blamed him for not wanting to be around that because I wouldn't want to be around it. But I watched when. I just watched. I just watched what should have been, you know, moving forward and doing all kinds of things, right? I had all kinds of plans and all of that. Everything that I had thought that I was going to do or wanted to do, was looking forward to, was just gone in an instant because my number one priority at that moment became my son. Now I'm kidding. I'm like, I kid myself to think he's pretty much always my number one priority. I take care of myself because I want to be able to and need to be able to take care of him. I need to set a good example for him. So sometimes I prioritize myself or my health or whatever I'm doing. But at the end of it, like all of it's because I love him <laughs> and because he is that important and paramount in my life. But, um, and because nothing else, I mean, ultimately will, would ever come above him. 
and this fact of like whatever plans I have or podcasts or none of it was important anymore. <laughs> I went to work and I took care of him and I tried to figure this out for him. Those That was it. That was like the three things I had room for in my life. So our our life for the next uh, couple of, well, it's still very different, but for the next several months, our life was very different. And I lived on eggshells, not knowing what was going to happen, having some anxiety about what uh, I could and couldn't do. And uh, wrestling with my own anger <laughs> at myself, and my anger with, um, you know, my, you know, with my ex, with his wife, um, wrestling with anger, you know, anger with um, the the judicial system and the in the things that happen to kids and the fact that there are some things put in place and there are some things that are not and there are all kinds of weird things and the fact that I literally had to let certain things happen before I could do anything as the worst call I've ever gotten in my forty something years. It could have been way worse, but it's still not a call that I ever want to get again. And I will tell you this, I'll talk in the next episode about all the things that you can do legally and you should do and what you should be um, paying attention to because uh, I can tell you it's the call I'm not ever going to get again. <laughs> and now I'm going to tell you, if you are, if you're in a bad situation, I'm going to say it again. If you're in a situation where somebody is emotionally, mentally, physically abusive of you, I don't care if you're 12 or you're 44 or you're 60 or 80, it doesn't matter. I don't care how old they are. I don't care what relationship they are to you. You deserve better. You deserve to have a home where things are safe, where you are safe, where you feel uh, that you can take a deep breath, that you can relax. It may not always be the most calm and quiet place, but you deserve a place and, and a life. You deserve a home, whether that be a house, apartment, whatever, with people, whoever they are. You deserve safety and security. It sucks when that doesn't come from the people who you fundamentally believe and we are told are, should give that to you. Your blood relations, namely your parents. But you have a right to those things and you have every right to remove yourself from situations that are not safe mentally, physically, emotionally. You have a right to remove yourself from those situations. And if you're in the middle of those, please, please get help. Please Please remove yourself from that situation. I don't know. I'm sorry. I know it's scary, but it's way better. It's way better to remove yourself from those situations than to stay there, especially if you have children and those children are in any way in danger. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for them. So thanks for listening to yet another <laughs> challenging episode. I love you. The universe loves you. You have friends and family and supporters and people out there who love you. Please take care of yourself. Until next episode, be well.